Welcome to another edition of Canton Bound, the NFL half of our Campus to Canton podcast here. As always, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And we are one week away from the draft. You excited? Um, I'm actually a little scared because uh, I don't know what the Steelers are going to do, and I feel like they're going to make a bad decision. Um, I mean, so. how many times did they make bad decisions? So it's actually I, like last year, or the year before that, I think I actually went back and looked through their past like 10 or 12 drafts or so, like basically since 2010. And I think um, like they ha- I don't know if they've had a single year where they've missed their first and second round pick. Like they even if they whiff on one with a, with a Jarvis Burns. Jones or yeah, or an Artie Burns or someone, they just like nail the second round pick. Um, so <laughs> there's that. But I'm very scared <laughs> they're going to do something bad yeah i'm pretty scared that the falcons are going to reach on a quarterback this year in a quarterback class that's very weak i would much rather us just be really bad this year with marcus Mariota at the helm and no pass catchers and get you know get a defensive player here i mean i don't expect hutchinson or thibodeau to fall that far we're at nine um so here's the problem though Let's say that you guys take a wide receiver early. No, thanks. Because, you know, the, the edge guys all go off the board. Like, the, it's all edge and tackle, basically. You guys go wide receiver. <laughs> Is Marcus Mariota bad enough to secure you, like, a top three pick for next year? Like, I feel like you would still have to trade up. We pro- they'll probably have to trade up a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think it. I think if Marcus Mariota starts all 16 or 17 games for us next year. I get used to that. <laughs> um, I I think we're a top 10 pick. Pretty That's fair. I mean, because not like the roster, the rest of the roster is so good. Yeah. I mean, you have Pitts yeah. and Pitts is the only offensive offense. weapon. Yeah. I mean, Cordell Patterson's 30 year, 30 year old breakout. He's back. Uh, Olamide Zacchaeus and uh, Frank Darby going to be our leading receivers this Darby year. Darby train. We're finally back. <laughs> Yeah, not good. Uh, and then Some the defense is the defense is always uh, always suspect. We have some pieces. We have some pieces, but that's all that ever is. It's, it's, yeah, you have one pieces. at every level. That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deion Jones. Was it? Uh, who's your? Is it AJ? You guys have AJ? AJ Terrell. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what? Grady Jackson or whatever. Grady Jarrett. That's Grady Jarrett, and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. A lot of each level. That's all you yeah. need. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you yeah. What do you think they take? Is this our last show before? Yeah, this is our last show before. Pre- predict the Falcons' first round pick. Or what do you guys do? Do you trade down? Do you stay put? What do you think? I think they'll stay put. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really hope we don't go quarterback. So I, I don't think we will. Um, I think if Malik Willis is on the board, there's a possibility of that because he's an Atlanta guy or Georgia. I'm pretty sure it's Atlanta, but somewhere in Georgia. Um. So they may they may take him if he's there, but I don't think he will be. So I'm thinking we go defense. I would love if one of Thibodeau or Hutchinson fell or Stingley. Any of those would be great too. You don't like the next set of edge guys like uh, uh, Walker I, from Georgia or um, mm-hmm. the kid out of Florida State. I don't love those guys. I mean, Walker's fine. Um, you know, but I think how much of his year last year was all of the other talent that they had around him, you know, 
Um, I think he's just fine. I don't see him being like a standout guy at the next level. I like a Jabo, but I am concerned about that injury. He blew out his Achilles, right? Yeah, at his yeah. at his at, uh his one of his workouts, yeah. 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 So I like a Jabo, but that obviously that takes him out there. So I don't know. I don't mind Devin Lloyd either, uh, but that's a little high for a linebacker that's not, you know, elite. So yeah, it's a tough one. Would you guys? Are there, is there any buzz about Kyle Hamilton if they falls to them? I mean, that would be great. We need. We do need some safety help. We took Richie Grant uh, last year, um, but he's more of a free safety, and he shouldn't stop you from taking a guy like Hamilton if he's there. So I would like Hamilton. Fair enough. I don't Who know. Do I, the Steelers pick, I think, is going to hinge on what Carolina does. Hmm. I think Makes if Carolina sense. takes Willis, then it doesn't happen. I think Ritter is a smokescreen, personally. You're hoping. I think they, I think they want Willis. Because um, the rumor for all offseason was Willis, 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 and then all of a sudden it was Ritter for like a week. And now it's Willis, Willis, Willis again. <laughs> I think they tried to get that out there at least a little bit. But uh, so that's if if Carolina doesn't take Willis, then I think it's squarely in Pittsburgh's uh, you know wheelhouse. I mean, you guys, there's some decent O line talent this year. It sounds like they don't really like Linderbaum though, which I find really interesting. And because then they could kick Green over to to guard or something. I mean, I know we signed a, another kind of you know career average center. <laughs> Um, to fill in, but you know, I, I really liked the idea of taking Linderbaum, and then like I really liked Jaquan Brisker in the second. I like Brisker we still a lot Edmonds too. Terrell Edmonds. Um, so, um, I I like Brisker as kind of a replacement for him because he's pretty versatile. Edmonds mm-hmm. kind of his athleticism made him kind of versatile, but I don't think like he really had the skill set. He has the skill set to cover, and I think Brisker does a little more, or at least play deeper. Um, so you could do some fun stuff with him and Minka. That was like my dream, but it doesn't seem like they they care for really like I, it's it's Linderbaum and Zion Johnson, the two guys, the the, the guard from Boston College, mm-hmm. are the two that might be there probably when Pittsburgh picks if they don't move at all. And Pittsburgh, like I like I don't I don't I don't I don't know. So we'll see. But um, I kind of doubt they take O line early. I, I I don't know. It just doesn't seem like there's been any buzz about them doing that this year. I I'm just glad to hear that there's another Penn State guy that you like. Feels like there's one every year. Yeah, I like Brisker. I like uh, uh, Petrie a lot too. I watched a couple of the safeties in this year's draft just because yeah, Pittsburgh kind of might need help there, depending again on what Ed- Edmonds does. Doesn't sound like he's had a huge market, but what do I know? Um, so yeah, I think um, I think I I would be really happy if the Steelers took either of those guys and paired them with Minka. Yeah, I mean I would love. I would love Brisker or Arnold Ebikidi, um, but not at the Falcons picks. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the second round for Brisker, sure. Yeah, that's early for Ebikidi. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think Ebikidi would make it there to the second round. He's been getting a little bit of buzz. Yeah. Good athlete. Yeah. Shocker. Penn State. Good athlete. <laughs> Edge. Yeah. Um, all right. But we are, while we're talking about NFL draft stuff, we are not going to have a show next week uh, because of the NFL draft. We are still figuring out exactly what we're going to be doing, but uh, we will, you know, stay tuned on Twitter. We'll figure out what we're doing there. Um, but no show next week. Sorry, guys. Uh, but let's get into the actual meat of the show here. Before we do that, uh, this podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts here. 
You can follow all of them on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out the Friday Drops that recap the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. Uh, very light news here this week. You know, leading up to the draft is not necessarily unsurprising, although, you know, maybe we see a trade here coming in this week. Uh, maybe it's Debo. It's all news that is just speculation on who yes. everybody's <laughs> going to take that turns out to be incorrect. So it's a very busy news week, air quotes, yes. for anybody that can't see me right now, obviously, but it's not a big news, news, actual news week. No, not a lot of substance. No. Um, no. The one thing that is substantive, Debo Re- Samuel requests a trade from the 49ers. He does not want to engage in contract talks, and reportedly it has a lot to do with the way that the 49ers used him. He does not want to be used like a running back. He wants to be used like a wide receiver and who can blame it? You know, running backs careers are much shorter. It's a lot more wear and tear on the body. And that kind of, so I think he would still have leverage in trade talks or in um, contract talks, but if they're treating you like a running back, the contracts for running backs are much, much lower than they are for wide receivers. So there's a concern there on that end. Um, do we think Debo here actually gets traded leading up to the draft? Do we think he gets traded at all? Yeah, I do think he gets traded. And let's let's kind of break this out by landing spot, Colin. I think that's going to be the easiest way to do this. I know you're you're driving this thing, but no, kind of address a lot of the like the wheel. We have one piece of news. Like that's all that's <laughs> happening this week. We got to make this thing last, baby. <laughs> Grab um, the wheel. So let's break it out by 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 spot let's start you want to start with the jets yeah let's do it which i think is the most likely spot like i if, if he's going to be traded i think the jets take him or the jets trade for him um a second round pick probably does it because you have to pay him immediately mm-hmm. i don't think like do you think they would give up a, like 10 for him for for debo i mean san francisco no. might ask for that i don't know if they're going to get that kind of offer and you'd think they'd want to make a move before day two of the NFL draft is over so they kind of know what they got going on. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think, too, with th- this wide receiver class, I do think they'll push for a first so that way they can get somebody to maybe ready readily replace him. But, yeah, I would be surprised if they get a first for him because they're going to have to pay him right away. A second seems a lot more likely. Top half of the second for the Jets, you know, I mean, I could definitely see that. I think Debo's worth that. I think that could help the 49ers as well. And they have they have two early seconds. Yes. They have pick four, pick 10, pick 35, pick 38, pick 69 between the first two days. Yeah. So 35, 38 probably, you know, would want to give up. They'll probably want to give up 38, but. We'll see how that ends up there. But yeah, I do think the Jets are probably the most likely landing spot. They've been tied to a lot of wide receivers here uh, this offseason. They've been connected to DK reportedly. If they were going to trade him, the Jets were going to be all over that. Um, so they're looking to beef up that wide receiver room. And I don't blame them. They have a lot of solid players there. Corey Davis is fine. Elijah Moore we like. Um, you know, I think uh, Denzel Mims is meh. You know, he could stretch the field for you if you need. The, the The big concern for me, though, is Debo and Elijah Moore, I think, would kind of cannibalize each other a little bit. 
they're not necessarily the exactly the same player, but you know, I think that they usage wise operate in the same areas of the field. It's really interesting. If you tell me that Debo doesn't really want to fulfill the same role, I'm assuming that just means he doesn't want to take carries. That's what I interpreted. But I would I would interpret that he still wants to like like still play a lot in the short game, you know, a lot of screens, a lot of, a lot of things like that. Just doesn't necessarily want to run between the tackles because I mean, it's not like he's ever really had like a a, a a he's never really been a downfield presence. So I'm wondering, you know, if you, that just means we see Elijah Moore more intermediate. Basically, Elijah Moore is your intermediate guy, Debo Samuel is your 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 um your short guy and then maybe, you know, you take a Jamison Williams at 10, assuming they don't have to trade that pick. And then Jamison Williams now has the luxury of not having to rush back immediately because you have two other guys. And then once he comes back, he provides something that those other two guys really don't. Or do you go with a Drake London or a George Pickens or a, I don't, I, I think Burks would kind of be a bad fit. Um, but like, do you, do you go with a bigger guy since those, those other two guys aren't, aren't exactly enormous. So the P- Debo is six foot. People kind of forget that. Yeah. I mean, I think, they just signed Corey Davis last year. Um, and, you know, he's not an alpha, but I still think he's like, he's solid. He's fine. So I don't think they necessarily need the bigger body wide receiver type of a guy there because they do have Davis. Um, so I would think that you would want the guy to take the top off the defense. I would think you would want a Jamison Williams. Um, but if, you know, they don't have that, if they don't want to take him at 10, which is probably where you're going to have to take him because I don't think you're going to get him in the second. There's a couple other speedsters in this class. You know, like there's a guy like a Calvin Austin, you know, you could look at him a little bit later. The thing about Davis's contract is that it's, it's done after this year, essentially they have like 600 grand in dead cap if they cut him and they would pay him 11 and a half million if they keep him. So I feel like Davis is probably done there after this year. Mm-hmm. So for a team that's probably, I mean, anything can happen. Cincinnati made it to the Super Bowl this past year. We, we <laughs> didn't give them a chance at all. So maybe the Jets can. Um, but it feels like it's more like, you know, we're not really trying to set ourselves up for this year per se. We're trying to set ourselves up for next year. And I think in that plan, Corey Davis probably isn't there, if I had to guess. That's just a it's, lot to pay your probably third guy, assuming in this scenario that they've made this trade for Diva. Yeah. Well, and I also think that, having your two best wide receivers in Debo and Elijah Moore, they don't really necessarily fit stylistically what Zach Wilson is best at. Zach Wilson likes to just kind of heave it deep. You know, he likes to improvise and buy time and then hit some, hit people deep. So it's kind of a little bit of a clash in styles there. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to try to rein Zach Wilson in and have him work more in the short to intermediate area because he can get reckless at times. I I was thinking that as you were saying that, like I think it would be a stylistic issue if it it was check down Charlie, and all of a sudden you're going aggressively deep with Zach Wilson. You're just like, look, we're gonna get the ball out of your hands here a little bit more. And I'm, yeah, that's not necessarily a bad thing. So um, yeah, I mean, it, we're just playing with scenarios here. I really really doubt they trade t- that that ten pick for him. That just feels like, and this is not. Um, uh, disrespect to Debo at all. And I think I've seen people, I've seen opinions on this running the game from Debo Samuels, a top five wide receiver in the NFL to Debo Samuels, like 
like the 40th best wide receiver in the NFL. If you're not giving, you know, not using him like they did last year. I think both of those are probably a little strong, but I don't know that I would put Debo Samuel as a top 10, like actual NFL receiver. Now fantasy is a little bit of a different story. And obviously that's what we're talking. Could he still be a top 10 guy in New York? Maybe, but I struggle to draft him like that in any sort of dynasty league because that would not necessarily be my expectation year over year over year um i don't know what you think about that yeah i i I, i'm i agree with you there i don't think he's a top 10 actual nfl wide receiver i don't necessarily even see him as a top 10 fantasy wide receiver in new york i think it was going to be a difficult road for him to repeat top 10 numbers even in san francisco just based on his usage. Now his usage is total touches is high. So that bodes well, but I don't, I don't value him that highly. I think I have him in the mid teens, mid to low teens for my wide receiver rankings. Um, I think he would take a small hit if he went to New York, but yeah, I think the 10 is the 10th, 10th overall pick is, is a pretty dramatic price to pay for, somebody who I don't think is a top 10 wide receiver in the league. So how about, um, how about then, you know, the New York says that's, that's too expensive for our taste. We've already got, we, we can position ourselves here and we, we've got these other guys. What about Carolina? Another name that's kind of been tossed around a little bit. That um, one also kind of confuses me because similar, they, again, DJ Moore operates sim- similar areas of the field uh, as Debo. And, I think they're going to go with a different quarterback. I mean, I know I saw uh, the OC uh, McAdoo came out and said, you know, Sam Darnold's our quarterback and then walked it back immediately. It was the old Hagrid. <laughs> Should not have said that. Should not have said that. Um, so I, I do think they're going to have a change in quarterback there. I mean, if Darnold was still there, I think then, you know, DJ Moore and, D- and Debo Samuel could both operate effectively. Um, if they do go the route of Malik Willis, I don't think they fit necessarily Willis's skill set either. He's a little bit more in the same vein as Wilson, you know, scramble around, run around, buy time, make big plays happen, howitzer of an arm, heave it deep kind of a guy. So I don't necessarily think Carolina's the best fit either. Well, and here's the big hang-up for Carolina and why I think it feels unlikely. They have the sixth overall pick. Their next pick is pick 137 in the fourth round. Oof. So they don't have really any sort of, uh, you know, not top tier, but like the tier below that. Um, They don't have any draft capital to really move. I don't know if they have any other pieces that would be, you know, interest in the San Francisco. Um, So Christian McCaffrey? (laughs) um yeah and then they have just another running back there um (laughs) that can't stay healthy this isn't it's not houston's front office we don't uh i don't know if that would be possible um other other teams that he's been tied to i mean i don't think the chiefs do it because i don't they just said they didn't want to pay tyreek i kind of doubt that they're going to invest big money in a worse version Mm -hmm. of him yeah, cool. like versatile, but in a different way. Um, that doesn't feel like a good fit to me. 
No, one of the ones that was really intriguing to me that I saw floated out there, and I think it's mo- it mostly a joke. I don't think it was anybody with any actual like NFL connections um, that floated it out there. But I was like, a because AJ Brown is reportedly not super happy in Tennessee. He hasn't asked for a trade yet, but you know, you've heard little mini rumblings. Just depot for AJ Brown, straight up, swap him up, see how that plays out. I don't know. That would be an intriguing one. I don't know if I see that happening. <laughs> I don't either, but yeah. Yeah. Any I mean, are there any other spots that you like for him? I mean, I I, I don't know who because uh, it's gotta be somebody who probably has a little bit of draft capital to play around with and has the cash to do it. I mean, Philly, they have a little bit of draft capital, but it almost feels like they're saving up more to have insurance for Jalen Hurts, assuming he doesn't develop really further this season. Obviously, I think it's going to be difficult for him to do that without another receiver, but maybe they've just kind of decided that this is what we're going to do. I don't really know. Um, do you think Philly is is re- a reasonable destination? I think that's probably more reasonable than Carolina. Um, because you said, like you said, the draft capital situation there. Um, and they have a Devonta Smith who doesn't really operate the same way that Debo Samuel does. And then they, you know, Quez Watkins, he's not stopping you from taking anybody else. Jalen Rager, not stopping you from exploring other options there. And Jalen Hurts doesn't have a big howitzer of an arm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that could be an intriguing fit there for sure in Philly. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the last spot that I can think of. Unless some surprise team just shows up, they don't really get what they're looking for. And they give up him up for like a second, like during, like to you know, I, to some random team. I mean, that that's really the only other scenario that I can see playing out here that doesn't involve kind of one of those teams that we just mentioned. I mean, I haven't heard this rumor at all, but it's one that, you know, just positionally, I think they have a need there, and that's the Bears. You know, they don't really have like any other receiving options on that team. They have Darnell Mooney, who's fine, but if he's your one, you're in trouble. You know, and you do need to surround your newly taken franchise quarterback. You just took him last year to be the face of your franchise. Uh, You know, you need to surround him with some options and some weapons. And I think that, you know, Justin Fields could use a guy like Debo, get the ball out of his hands a little bit quicker. Um, You know, kind of like they used some of the guys that they had at, uh, at Ohio State. So Get out of his hands a little bit quicker. I think that's an option and an area that would or a team that would make sense, but I haven't heard that floated around at all. So, so that'll be interesting. Um, you know, the, uh, they're kind of the anti Carolina, where they don't have a first, they have two seconds, and they have a third, and they don't have a fourth. So they're kind of like sandwiched in between <laughs> those Carolina picks. Um, so if a second gets it done, and they don't think one of those wide receivers is going to be there. I think there are worse deals to be made. That would be interesting. Pair him up with Justin Fields. Um, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like one that doesn't happen until like that pick is on the clock or something. Or you're like close Probably. To it there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, most likely. Yeah. That's an interesting one. I mean, I, I've heard people toss around Green Bay and that one feels bad to me too. Yeah. I don't, like again, they just tried to pay and they actually did try. I mean, the, the only difference is like they did try to pay. What's his name? Um, uh, Devontae Adams. Adams. And he opted to go elsewhere. Um, for whatever reason. So I mean, maybe they're willing to toss that money somewhere else, but that, that that seems unlikely to me as well. Yeah, that seems unlikely. And the only 
receiver that they have on the roster that I would feel even remotely okay with right now is Randall Cobb. You know, so you don't have anybody else to play on the, the outside. I mean, yes. No, no Lazard? No, no, uh, mm, no. Not really a big Lazard guy. Sammy no. Watkins is on the outside too, but don't really feel great about him either. I don't know. I, I don't think that Debo would be the best fit in Green Bay. And the 49ers in Green Bay, like, I don't know. I feel like they don't really like each other that much. There's some little bit of rivalries. Yeah, it's going to be, t- I think it's going to be a big ass to ask them to trade him within the NFC. The NFC has been so concerned about trading within the NFC this offseason that they're just creating monsters like that none of them are ever going to be able to beat in the Super Bowl. But, you know, <laughs> they can say they got there. So, participation trophy. Yeah. Yeah. And any other spots that you're, you're thinking of? Those are really the only ones. I, I, I just can't really think of another um, team where it's a combination of uh, they have the draft capital, they have the the situation locked down, and they they have the cap space to pay him immediately. So, Fair um, yeah. Well, it'll be something to keep an eye on here. Um, you know, well, I'm sure after the draft, when we're back, we will break down wherever Debo goes. Uh, but on to a little bit more of the draft here. Last week, we brought you quarterbacks and running backs. This week, bringing you some wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, so we'll start off with the wide receivers here. Austin, hit us with your top 10 wide receivers. Go. Uh, you want all 10 of them? Go for it. Okay. So um, I think my top 10, you know, the order might be slightly off, but I think my top 10 are actually fairly chalky this year. Um, Again, this is a lot of guys where I don't feel so great about any of them. So I'm willing to kind of like, I I actually already have two leagues where I had like a a top three ish selection. I've already traded back a couple slots just because like, you know, hall and, and, you know, whoever else you really like early, are probably going to be gone. And then it's you, you're probably looking at receiver and, and I view all these guys as kind of just an amorphous blob. Um, so my, I think, I think I kind of have them broken down like this. And, and the, so Traylon Burks and Garrett Wilson are technically tier one guys for me. They're two of my only three tier one guys in this entire class. I don't feel great about putting them there. Burks. I, I really like how versatile he is. I get the, I get the Inkeel Harry talk. I get the LaVisca Chenault talk. I get the, you know, whatever else. But I also, I think he's closer to AJ Brown than he is to some of those guys. And, you know, again, as people say all the time, you know, Harry still had a really good profile, even though he didn't hit. Probably went to the worst possible place he could have landed. I mean, New England, like, they just haven't really developed wide receivers, especially not kind of big athletic guys. It's just not really been their forte um, under the Bill Belichick and, and, you know, Tom Brady and then Tom Brady, like, Costco and, or, you know, dollar store brand Tom Brady and Mac, and Mac Wilson. So I, I still really like him. And then Garrett Wilson, you know, again, I think Garrett Wilson has some issues that, that aren't necessarily talked about all the time. He, I think he is not always great versus man. There were a lot of instant or sorry, he's not great versus zone. And there were a mm-hmm. lot of instances of him kind of getting lost lost in either zone or off man coverage. I just think he kind of struggles. I don't want to say identifying zone because I, I I don't necessarily know what's going through his head, but he doesn't do he's not great at it, but he is great kind of when he's got, you know, press coverage or or you know, man coverage, he can kind of uh separate himself a little bit there. Uh, a lot of his catches and the same for Alave were just kind of blown coverages that were schemed up. 
and the guy just breaks wide open down the field for you know they did they did nothing um you know the remotely that, that caused the separation at all um so he is kind of concerning then i have kind of a little bit of a, a break there and then it's some combination of drake london george pickens and jamison williams and i think you can put those three in any order you want to um i wouldn't fight you too much because again i don't feel that strongly about any of them i see the pros and cons for all of them i think there's legitimate concerns about all of them um but i also think they all have really really crazy upside and i think that all go within the first 40 picks um so it'll be interesting to see you know who of that group goes first i suspect it'll be jamison williams just because some team is going to fall in love with his speed um but who who knows and then there's a break after those three and then i have chris Olave, sky Moore. I'm still going to be a little higher on Alave than I think consensus is. I still really like Alave, and I'm tempted to put him up there in that Williams Pickens London tier. I think some of the concerns about him are very valid that he doesn't necessarily have a ton of play strength. I thought early in his career he would develop into kind of a, I don't want to say elite, but a very good possession wide receiver and instead he kind of profiles now more as a little bit more of a deep guy which i find really interesting is he a little will fuller ish maybe i still think that comp sells him a little short um i i think he's better than people are giving him credit for and I, i'm still very excited i don't really care that he went back for his senior year to be honest i really really don't just because his metrics were so good the first three years um and then sky Moore, like i he's an analytic darling he's a little bit of a hedge here i think he is versatile he can play inside outside i like him i think the narrative on him has gotten a little out of control, but I do think he's a good player. And then after those, and then after those two, it's a break and it's David Bell, Wandale Robinson and Jahan Dotson. I think again, you can put those guys in any order you want. I think all of them have at least one glaring issue. David Bell, obviously not a very good athlete at all. And I think he does not always separate consistently. Like, I think he's a fine route runner, but he's like elite in that regard. So he's not Keenan Allen. Um, like I think that that comp does not work for me. So we'll see where he ends up. Wondell Robinson, I like him. He's versatile. He's played. He's basically played in two offenses where he was the only person, which I think is really good. But I also think it's kind of not necessarily good because he's just been force fed in every single situation. And it kind of makes me wonder like what happens because I don't think he can be the guy in NFL offense. So can he be a, a, a very good number two without just getting fed the ball the whole game? Who knows? And then Dotson does not consistently separate for a little guy wins at the catch point a lot. Can he do that in the NFL? I don't really know. I think he's better than KJ Hamler um, by a decent amount who I was not a fan of at all coming out, but I think he still has some issues. I think like people have talked about him as um, like a guy that goes to green Bay at the end of the first round. I think that would be a really bad pick on their part. Um, so that's my top 10. Um, and actually there's a pretty deep drop off after that. Like, I don't really like, um, like Christian Watson very much. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other top guys in this class. Um, I do like, well, we're going to we'll probably talk sleepers here in a second. So I'll hold off on that. I have a feeling I know the guy that you were going to say, and I think he's on my list here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said there. You know, our order is, is very similar. Um, I have Traylon Burks, I have Garrett Wilson at the top in a tier of their own. Uh, they are a good bit ahead of the next guys that I have there. Um, Traylon Burks, really not that worried about his athleticism. You know, I know he didn't really run that well at the Combine, but he's been clocked. It, it varies on Twitter, but he's been clocked at like 22, right around 22 miles per hour, 
um, in game speed. I think there was one that had him all the way up at like 22.6. So he's got the game speed there. So I'm really not that worried about that. My biggest concern with Burks is he's a little bit raw in terms of route running. Um, just, you know, I, and he, they used him in a variety of ways, but they really just wanted to get the ball in his hands there. He, so he wasn't asked to run a wide, a, a, a varied route tree there. So it's going to take a little bit of time for him to develop that. But I think if you can get him in the right offense where, you know, just get the ball in his hands to start out and then let him develop a little bit more. I mean, this guy, six foot three, he's like 230 pounds, you know, dynamic after the after the catch with the ball in his hands. I mean, that's the type of guy you just just get him the ball, let him do his thing, get out of his way, feed him the way he, he does best. And I think he's the type of guy who can be a wide receiver one in fantasy. Um, so he's pretty comfortably as my wide receiver one. I do like Garrett Wilson a lot. Um, like you said, I, I do have, you know, some questions about him here. Um, but, you know, largely I think he has a, he, he's pretty safe. You know, I think you're probably more looking at him as like a perennial wide receiver two at the NFL level for, for especially for fantasy purposes there. And I also don't know if he can be a team's wide receiver one, um, but I do like him. Um, and then after that, it's just like a pretty big clump for me. I have Jameson Williams, George Pickens, Chris Olave, Drake London, David Bell. So it's a tier of five. They're all lumped in there. They all have pros and cons. Um, you know, George Pickens had a really good year one um, statistically, uh, and, and especially from a, you know an analytical standpoint, a 24.8% weighted dominator rating. In year one, 1.75 yards per team pass attempt. Um, you know, both were a good bit above the uh, the average line for wide receivers uh, with top 12, for the top 12 season at the NFL level. Uh, the next year after that, he was, you know, year two dropped off a little bit, but he was still like right on there. And then you know, obviously year three here, he had the injury. Um, I see some effort concerns with him, but. I mean, man, when he wants to play, he can play. Uh, so it's really just, you know, is he, which George Pickens are you going to get? And if you can, if you can get him to buy in, I think he has one of the higher ceilings in the class here. I think he's probably ceiling wise right behind Traylon Burks. Um, so I like George Pickens a lot. You know, Chris Olave, coming from that Ohio State offense, it's tough to stand out from an analytical perspective there you know his first two years first year he didn't really do much second year he was solid that third year huge year um, and then last year you know didn't really have the the type of year that you necessarily wanted to see from a senior you know he had 20.8 percent weighted dominator rating uh which is below the line there um only a 1.89 yards per receiving yards per team pass attempt so also not great on that front. So statistically his senior season was kind of disappointing, but in terms of draft capital, I don't think he went back to school because he wasn't going to get the draft capital that he wanted. I think he was probably looking at early day two last year, you know, second round. And so, and that's, that's really solid for a wide receiver. And I mean, this year, you know, he probably improved his draft stock just for the sheer fact that you don't have, 
Jamar Chase. You don't have Jalen Waddle. You don't have Devonta Smith. You don't have those guys in this class this year. Uh, the opinions vary a lot more. So I think you're going to find a team that just an NFL team that likes Chris Olave more than the fantasy community. So he's got a shot to sneak into that first round there, but still feel very comfortable with him going early day two. I feel pretty good saying that he goes first round. Like I don't think feel weird saying that. I just full like period at the end of that sentence. No, that's fair. I mean, I like to hedge. You know I think me. the NFL is going to. Yeah, that's weak. I think the <laughs> NFL is going to like him. I, I really, really, I think the NFL yeah. does like him. Yes, they're going to discover him on Thursday. I think they, I think they do like him. I think he'll go reasonably early. That forty time, I think, sold it. Yeah, I think that helped a lot. I do think he will, he will probably go round one, um, and you know after that, then you have Drake London, who six four, two hundred thirteen pounds, big guy. Mostly he played a lot in the slot. Like that just seemed to be kind of where he won best. He won in the slot or like, and off of manufactured touches. Like, I don't know if he can create for himself on the outside. Like you want a six foot four, 213 pound receiver to do. I mean, from an analytical profile, that looks good as well. Uh, year two, he had a 24.5% weighted dominator rating year three, this past year, 30.9% before he went down with that injury. Um, you know, so he's he checks a lot of boxes, and I do think he's probably also going to get drafted in the first round. But I just have some questions about how he, it, what role he's going to fill at the next level. Um, I don't remember where I saw it. Somebody comped him to Marquise Colston, and I actually kind of like that. That's interesting. Um, I don't. I w- really wish I could remember where I saw that. Um, but yeah, I, I wish. I, I think that's probably pretty accurate and i don't know how well marcus colson would have done now in that system so if drake london can go to the right system and they can use him um you know in the right way and scheme him open like i think he could be very good if he doesn't i think he could disappoint so he worries me a little bit and then david bell's a guy that uh, i had up there with Traylon burks for the longest time and then it's this this year he disappointed um you know, he only had a 25.7% weighted dominator rating this year after, which is his lowest in college. You know, he he played with Rondale Moore in year one. He had 27.1% um, rate, weighted dominator rating. You know, the, the year after that, last year, he had a 37.6. This year's, all of his statistics were down across the board. That, that 4.640 or 4.6540 was very disappointing. I didn't think he was a burner, but I did think he was going to be you know, four five eight to to four six zero, not four six five. So that concerns me. That dropped him a little bit here, but I do think he's still really talented. He's got some of the best ball skills in the class. Um, very acrobatic with the ball. He's not really dynamic with the ball in his hands, but he's he's good when it's in the air. Um, after that, then it's a pretty big drop off for me. Uh, I have a cluster of Jahan Dotson, Khalil Shakir, and Sky Moore. Uh, like you said, Sky Moore, analytical darling. You know, not a whole lot more to say on that. Um, Jahan Dotson's a guy that I like a lot, um, but I don't think he's ever going to be a team's wide receiver one. I think that's going to really limit him from a fantasy perspective. You know, I so I'm not that sold on him at the next level. Uh, and then Khalil Shakir is a guy that I do like. Um, he he 
you know, year one wasn't great, but he was at Boise. Then after that, you know, I mean, he really blew up. You know, 22.9% weighted dominator rating, 44%, then 35.6 this past year's senior year. Um, he has one of the best receiving yards per team pass attempts in the entire class uh, in his year three at 3.25. Adjusted yards per team play in, in uh, his junior year was a 3.51, also way above the, the line. So he's got some really good analytical profile there as well. Um, and I think he, you know, route running is solid hands, solid ball skills, solid, but I think he's really elusive with the ball in his hands. Um, so he's average in a lot of those areas, but then his run after catch and, and his ability with the ball in his hands. I like that a lot. I think he's very versatile too. So I, I think they can use him in a number of different ways. So I like Khalil Shakir. I like Shakir too. I know we have a like an uh, an honorable mention outside of our top ten. Shakir is number eleven for me, and I really am tempted to kind of bump him over like a Jahan Dodson or something. His like yeah, his numbers from like a data perspective are amazing. It's really funny if you pull up any of his charts on Campus Canton, um, they all are literally exactly the same. Like mm-hmm. dot placement, <laughs> it's yeah. really 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 interesting. Like I tried to go through like eight different categories, and it's all the same. Like. Basically didn't do anything first year. I think he was just on special teams, really. And then, you know, tangentially attached to the offense and then blew up year two, huge year three, and then still really good year four, but obviously not quite, you know, he's almost 50% year three. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's not going to do that twice in a row because that offense does have some other guys and Stephon Cobbs being uh, chief among them. So I think he's really intriguing. I think he, his special teams ability gets him drafted a little earlier than people think. I think it gets him on a field early. I think it gets Mm -hmm. him, uh, it keeps him on a roster for longer. And I think if he goes to a place like, I think he would be great for a team like Atlanta that maybe you like don't that. take a wide receiver early this year, but you take Shakir in like the third. And then next year, when you loop back around, if you can get, um, you know, and the quote unquote alpha ish or guy that profiles a little better is that, and, and or a quarterback, like then you've got him in pits. Like, I think then you're cooking a little bit. I think that would be a good, a good situation for him. I think like Chicago probably would not be a great situation with, with Darnell Mooney. Mm-hmm. Um, unless again, they take another guy, but with what they've got draft pick wise, I think that that's unlikely. I think he doesn't necessarily fit in with New York at the moment. Uh, the Jets, sorry. Um, like, I, I think there's a lot of places that he probably would not be ideal for him, but I do think there's also a lot of places that would be really, really good for him to kind of grow into a role um, while he starts out as kind of a special team ace. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to see Khalil Shakir in Atlanta. I think that'd be great. Um, I think that might put a little bit of undue hype on him um, because people would look at him and see, Oh, there's a vacate. Uh, like there's a lack of a wide receiver one in Atlanta. Maybe Khalil Shakir can be that guy. I don't really think that that's necessarily the role that he would fill. Um, so I think that that would lead to him being overdrafted in fantasy drafts, but I, from an NFL standpoint, and then eventually from a uh, fantasy standpoint as well, I would like that. I think you would just have to temper expectations a little bit. Yeah, I like him. I think his ADP is probably pretty low right now. I haven't really been doing a lot of mock drafting or, or looking at at rookie ADP, but um, I took him. I did. So I've done one NFL start. Like I did like a campus to can startup already this mm-hmm. offseason and the NFL side of it as a 14 team start two tight ends. Like it's like this monster league um single co- it's it's actually 28 teams so it's like single copy college double copy <laughs> nfl um i took shakir 
and like pretty late. And I, I was pretty happy with that. Um, and I went really wide receiver heavy on this draft. So now I'm a little sad. Maybe he never really plays for me, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think a lot of him, and I'm probably going to try to stash him everywhere this off season. If I don't already have him, I had him on a lot of campus rosters for a C2 season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Um, my honorable mention was Wandale. Um, so when you add in our honorable mentions, our top 11 are exactly the same. <laughs> um, so do you have... I, mean, I think that's... I think that's a very chalky order, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's not like we both have, I don't know, someone weird. I guess the, the only names that don't really that kind of stand out that we don't have that I've seen some other places are a Christian Watson mm-hmm. and then Calvin Austin, who's been getting some buzz lately. Those are the two that I think neither of us have, but would probably show up in a, a significant amount of other top tens. Well, I'm glad you brought up Calvin Austin because the next, um, thing here is you know anybody not in the top 10 that you're intrigued by calvin austin's that guy for me um i'm very intrigued by calvin austin you know he's he's he is small he's a small guy um what's he at five eight one seventy roughly um but he is not a slot guy not slot only i mean he played on the outside most of the time 90 percent of his reps in 2021 last year came on the outside um, and he is, he's a like, verified track guy. He was a track, he, he ran track in Memphis and was very, very good. Um, but he's not just a speed guy. He is very, very quick. I mean, he makes in his route running sometimes, the way he snaps off his routes, he makes guys look silly. It's difficult for some defenders to stick with him. Now he was in the AAC, so it's not the SEC, but. I still think that he'll be able to use that quickness at the next level as well. I think he is the type of guy who's going to be able to take the top off of a defense, offer a little bit with, you know, the ball in his hands as well. Um, I think he's a lot more versatile than, than some people would think just given his size. So I don't necessarily know where, what his draft capital is going to look like. I don't necessarily know what role he's going to have on the NFL team. So that's kind of holding me back from keeping him a little bit higher. But Calvin Austin's a guy that I like a lot. Just to give 100% correct measurements on him, he's five foot seven, three quarters, and then uh, 173 pounds according to the combine. So okay, you were so close. You said what? So you said five eight one eighty. So I just wanted to. I said five eight one seventy. Oh, you did because so I knew he was light. Ah, so you undersold him. Wow. Yeah. Um. So yeah, undersold just, the just weight, to, oversold the height. Just to clarify on that point. Thank you. Um. I mean. I th- the only other guys that I think would be interesting to me, like I still think the NFL is going to kind of like John Mechie. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in love with John Mechie, but I think there is a fair chance that the NFL likes him and that he carves out like a a wide receiver three on an NFL team type role for many, many years. And he's not really a guy you love for fantasy, but but he just like is a, is a valuable guy in the NFL. So I think uh, he's a guy that I think is going to, that, that that stands out to me, and then I, I, Tyquan Thornton is interesting to me too, as like mm-hmm. a super deep stash. I, I would rather have him than um, like the Danny Gray and Reggie Roberson combo. I think I'd rather have him than Jalen Naylor. I think I'd rather have him than uh, Christian Watson. Who you know, I, I'm just not a Christian, a Christian Watson guy. I think a guy that barely dominated at that level and and is really old and um, kind of ha- has all these other issues. I don't think he separates very well. Um, he's kind of a guy you, you got a scheme for at this point. So not not someone that I'm super interested in. Um, but I think both of those those names are guys that I think the NFL might like more, 
than fantasy guys. And I think that role, whatever role they can carve out would be worth something. Thornton's got like a big post type sleeper guy. Like he was supposed to have a really big junior year. And then with COVID and, and he got injured, uh, it never really happened. And then I don't, I don't know how some of these guys just like, it's like the hype builds and then it just doesn't happen. And for some people like they stay there, but for, he's one of the few guys that just like, everyone was like, well, nope, that was it. Um, so I think he's being slept on a little bit too. Another guy that I took in, I'm pretty sure in that, that 2018, you know, two copy league. All right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm very interested in in Thornton as well. I mean, just fastest man alive, you know. I mean, I think his speed's going to get him drafted. So um, that'll be interesting as well. Definitely an intriguing guy there. Uh, moving on to the tight end position here. I'm not going to have us go through our top five because there's not top, there's not five tight ends that I care about, to be honest with you. There's barely three. Uh, this is just a very weak tight end class. The guy that we thought we were going to like uh, in Jalen Weidermeyer ended up putting up, I believe, a 1.00 in the RAS score, the relative athletic score by Ken Lee Platt, um, math bomb, uh, which correlates very well for tight ends. Um, I mean, I believe there's there hasn't been a tight end one season with uh, from somebody who had less than an 8.00 in the RAS score. I believe that's a statistic you'd thrown out before. Does that sound right? It's 7.5 or 8. Yeah, I forget. 7.5 or 8. But it's... it's it, top 25 per you know percent of yeah. res at least yes yeah so you pretty much need to be an elite athlete for the to be the tight end position weidermeyer is very much not that um and then after that really not a ton of other guys that super interested in there um trey mcbride interesting you know high, uh, he had a, he was very productive at colorado state um he's solidly athletic um greg dolcich same kind of a deal productive at ucla solid athlete um, those are probably two of the guys that you're hearing hyped up a little bit more than anybody else at the position. But again, it's just kind of a weak class this year. Calcaterra is fun. I think he comps kind of fairly to um, uh, Mark Andrews when he came out of Oklahoma. And I think Andrews is slightly bigger. Um, but but I really like Calcaterra. I think, you know. There, there's obviously the worry with with <laughs> his history of concussions that you know one hit, and we've got an Austin Collie situation on our hands, which we we never never want. But I think he's a really intriguing guy. I think he's being slept on. I mean, would it shock you if Charlie Kohler's the first tight end off the board at this point? Actually, no. I'm willing, I got to find some draft. Um, I don't know. <laughs> can we do them in PA? I don't even know. Draft I have, props. I have to call my probably, guy. probably. Um, but. It feels like a pretty good bet that he's the first guy. He tested really well. He was good at the senior bowl. He's kind of crushed the draft pr- process. He's been the anti-Jalen Weidermeyer. Yes. Yeah, no, it wouldn't really surprise me that much if he was the first tight end taken off the board. Now, where he gets taken, I mean, there's probably a tight end or two that's going to go day two somewhere just because, you know, most of the time there's a tight end that goes day two somewhere. It's probably going to be later round three, but you know, whoever goes day two, I'll be intrigued by. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, Kohler is not even a guy that I think is super sexy. Like his absolute ceiling is probably Zach Ertz as a guy that has to go to an offense where there aren't a ton of other receiving weapons where he kind of gets force fed and he's just good enough to, to make the most of them. 
he's not a guy that I think is a difference maker on his own. So that would be like his absolute seat. He's kind of like me catch ball, me fall down, which is what <laughs> Zach Ertz like a thousand percent is. What? How long did he go? Like how many years where he like didn't break a tackle or something like that? I don't know. But it was there was that remarkable. Twitter account that like counted like how many like every reception like retweeted like how many it's been, and it was a lot, and it was a really long time. That kind of is what Charlie Kohler strikes me as. Um, which again, that's like that's a good career, but I think you kind of had to have some things fall a lot of things fall correctly for you to have that career and that's like do i want to bank on that no luckily i'm not like draft like all my drafts at this point are after the draft so it doesn't really like i'll know potentially what that looks like but i i i I think he's intriguing just from that because he tested so well he's done so well in the draft process teams obviously like him he's going to get draft capital but what's the ceiling? Probably not great. He would not be a first round guy for me unless it's like start two tight ends and it's like a two times premium. And like, then I'm like, well, shit, like after like eight or nine, well, what does it hurt to take him? But <laughs> depending on where he goes. Yeah. There just really isn't any tight end this year that uh, is, is worth taking. I'm probably not even taking any tight end in the second round, even in, well, in tight end premium, I might take a shot, but you know, if if it's not tight end premium, I'm not looking at a tight end until like the mid to late third round. Um, one guy that I am intrigued by, though, is uh, Lucas Kroll out of Pittsburgh. Pit now, guy. Look yeah. at you talking about the pit guys. I know, right? Now, I am um, a little bit concerned about him because, one, he played two years of baseball uh, before transitioning to football. So he's an older prospect. Uh, he was at Florida. He didn't really do anything at Florida. Uh, and then he, he had a nice year this year at uh, Pittsburgh. Um, put up 38 catches, 451 yards, six touchdowns um, this year. So solid year. Um, the things that I like about Crawl are, one, is RAS score 9.07. That's one of the better ones in the class. It's just behind Charlie Kohler. Um, and I think that for the most part, Charlie Kohler's athleticism kind of surprised me. Lucas Kroll's didn't really surprise me that much. Um, he's not really like that much of a quick twitch guy, but he's very smooth. Um, he's got good speed. He stretches the, he, he can stretch the field. Um, and that was something you could see in him. So the athleticism doesn't necessarily surprise me that much with him. Like it kind of does with Charlie Kohler. So athletic guy, I think he's got good hands. It's a decent route runner. Um, you know, he's big. He's 6'6", 250. So he's got that size already. So I, I think he's just a guy that I haven't really heard anybody talk about at all. And it wouldn't really surprise me if he turned in a tight end two season, back end tight end one season at some point in time, depending on where he goes. I don't think he'll go high in the draft, but he's a guy I'm keeping an eye on. Pitt loved him. Pitt loved him. They were really disappointed when he got hurt early. His first year there, Latin like COVID year, um, and didn't really play at all. They they really really liked him. Um, transfer from Florida, so um, yeah. I mean, I, I have a really hard time ever seeing him being like a top guy, but um, you know, he's as athletic as George Kittle, basically. Like again, ever hoping that we find another George Kittle in the fifth round is is. <laughs> wishful thinking and probably not going to happen but like 
there are many scenarios in which he he does something decent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And he, like I said, not really anybody I've heard anybody talk about. So I think you can have worse dart throws in your drafts. Yeah. Why not? Um, any other note you want to mention on here on tight end here before we before we get out of here? Um, I think Jelani Woods is a trap. Mm -hmm. Just to throw that out, like I, he he's really big and really athletic. I know we just got done talking about like you got to be big and athletic to to be a good NFL tight end, but I think he's just not. He's he moves really really awkwardly for a football player. Like he's he has an intriguing profile, but at the end of the day, I, I think he's not long for the NFL personally. But we shall see. Yeah, I actually wouldn't that. necessarily shock me if he goes undrafted. Interesting. Throwing that out there. I mean, he is he does have a perfect ten in the uh, RAS score, so. He's very there's athletic. A lot, there's a bunch of those this year. They're, they're all out of whack. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for us here tonight. Uh, again, just we're not going to be no show next week here with the drafts. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have some sort of coverage for you one way or another. So stay tuned on that. Probably an announcement on Monday's show or on Twitter. Just keep an eye out for that. Um, rate and review the show. We're not going to ax anybody from the show. We only have two people. We don't really have that luxury. Nobody wants to listen to me talk for an hour by myself. Austin doesn't care enough about Canton Bound to I do just the show by in, himself. I turned it into second campus life. Yeah. So we're not going to ax anybody, but you know, rate and review the show helps us out a lot. Um, check out the other pods out here. We got uh, Chasing the Natty dropping on Mondays, Campus Life Tuesdays, Debbie Debate Live on Wednesdays, Hero RB Show with uh, Noah Hills on Thursdays, Future Freshman on Fridays, Canton Bound also dropping on Fridays. The Daily Draft Report, that is wrapping up this week, I believe. I don't think he's going to have any shows next week. Um, but if you got that draft itch, go back, listen to some of the old ones. It's a lot of great stuff in there. Um, that's going to do it for us here tonight, though. As always, I'm Colin. And this is Austin. And have a good one.